Welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve and inspire our city. Oh, goodness. Y'all, isn't it been so good this whole weekend, last night, this morning? Um, you know, when, when Kwame asked us to do this, uh, I was kind of petrified. And, um, so I went, I went home and I was praying and, and I was like, I just feel so unworthy for this. You know, Justin and I have, have not arrived by any stretch. And the Holy Spirit said, look who the disciples were. And he said, I use broken people. And I said, okay, we qualify. <laughs> so we are here and um, very honored. And um, the way Justin and I work is he's off the cuff, and so he's just kind of free and charismatic, and he does silly and fun things that are very powerful. And I'm very intense, and the Holy Spirit speaks to me, and I have to write it down so I'll remember and not forget a thing. So please forgive me for reading, but I feel like there's a lot of good nuggets in here. The title this morning is Disarming the Enemy Over Your Marriage. The way that we disarm the enemy over our marriage is through the word of God in being diligent, in choosing our words and actions. Basically, I'm just going to go over their message because the Holy Spirit just had us flow in there. Uh, based on what will not only honor our spouse, but God. There are three different scenarios of couples that come to marriage conferences. The first one is the persuaded husband. The second couple is wanting to grow closer, but also to build on what is already working in their marriage. The third couple, lastly, is the couple on life support. The couple coming desperate for breakthrough, stuck and tired. That was us. Two broken people with hurts and a past, both betrayed in past marriages, leaving us guarded, wounded, and fearful. Oh, I see now. Uh, leaving us wounded and fearful to trust completely again. The first and only marriage conference we ever went to, each speaker got up and shared from their own experience what worked and what didn't, and how they came to a resolution. And I would get this little nudge. Um, I was so mad that I was so, that he was so hyper focused on what he thought that I needed to fix that he didn't listen to what he might need to work on. It was a disappointing experience because we were both still choosing to stay in pride and fear. This is what I call the hamster wheel syndrome. Frantically spinning your wheels, but never really getting anywhere. It is a tiring place to stay. For example, I don't cook because he doesn't come home. And he says, well, I don't come home because she doesn't cook. So whatever the scenario, whose fault ever is it? If we stay in that cycle of blaming the other person, no one wins. And there's no resolution. 
So I have this, uh, this short little visual lesson that if we could see through our spiritual eyes what we truly look like in the flesh, this is what it would be. Okay, everybody? And that is not it. <laughs> Women, close your eyes. Look at your husbands. <laughs> okay, here we go. Okay, y'all, this is what we look like if we could see ourselves with spiritual eyes. A hot mess. Going round and round, hanging in there for dear life. Okay, okay. Anybody feel that way sometimes on that hamster wheel? Poor little thing. He's just hanging in there, and the other ones just keep on spinning. So there's one rule this morning. No nudging your spouse. No mm-hmm. And no judgmental stares. Okay? I'd like for us to pray and lay our guards down and put the boxing gloves up because the person next to you is not your enemy. So please hold your spouse's hand as I pray for us. Father God, we come to you helpless in our own strength. Help us, God, to lay down our pride and fears. Help us keep our eyes on you in our struggles, fixed on you only. Not on offense, not on fear, not on unmet expectations, or the records of wrongs we keep. Help us lay down all these things in addition to any resentment, pride, and unforgiveness, choosing to die to self, looking at our own shortcomings and what we can do to grow spiritually, leaving our heart in your care today. Help us walk in the fruits of the Spirit. All things are possible through you, God. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. So our topic today was, is conflict resolution. And so the enemy decided he would give us some material the last couple of days. <laughs> because, you know, that's how that works. When you're going to share and do something for God where people are going to be touched and blessed, the enemy's not going to make it easy on you. Matthew 26, 41 says, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is what? Weak. When we are hurt, we wound each other by our words and actions through our flesh. I just want to share something that the Holy Spirit gave me that is such a powerful tool to use. When Justin and I have words or I feel hurt by him, I have to die to myself. This is what the Holy Spirit gave me. God, help me to see Justin how you see Justin. Help Justin see me how you see me. God, soften my heart toward Justin. God, soften Justin's heart toward me. Then the Holy Spirit also added for me to bless him. Bless him, God. Bless him, God. 
when I first started doing this in the beginning, I just cried because I was totally, because it was totally surrendering to my right to be offended, feeling so justified in my pain and struggling to let my flesh die, unwanting to let go of the fear of continuing to be hurt. Do you hear what I said? Unwanting to let go of the fear of continuing to be hurt, having to tear down walls and stay at the feet of Jesus. Luke 18.10 says, Everyone that exalts himself shall be humbled, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Humility of mind, meekness of spirit, and contriteness of heart should characterize all of us who live in him. Did you catch that? The only way that I can love Justin, the way that Christ commands, is to stay at the feet of Jesus, dying to self daily. Because our flesh, my flesh, is emotional, inconsistent, and selfish. Philippians 3.3 says, For we are the circumcision, Christians, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God boast in Jesus Christ and do not put confidence in the what? Flesh. Get away, flesh. When we became Christians. So when we became his as Christians, there was a cutting away of the flesh, a circumcision of will and fleshly desires. When we invited the Holy Spirit in, we became equipped for battle whether we realized it or not. The Holy Spirit gave me this uh, studying for one of our Bible studies one time, and it's so powerful, and I use it all the time. So if Justin and I get in this uh, tiff or something happens and, and say I feel hurt, um, and so I get bowed up in pride, pride challenges pride. So I give him that opportunity to say, wait a second, and so then he comes back with pride, and then what do we have? A hamster wheel hanging in there for dear life because pride challenges pride. But then the Holy Spirit said, but humility invites humility. So if Justin comes at me in pride or vice versa, the other one has the opportunity to squash that by acting Christ-like and dying to flesh. As hard as that is sometimes, when we feel that right to be so, we're so justified because what they did was so hurtful or so wrong, but it's not. Here's a scripture that goes with that that the Holy Spirit gave me in Proverbs 15:1. A soft, gentle, and thoughtful answer turns away wrath. But harsh, painful, and careless words stir up anger. John Bevere wrote a book, a bestseller, The Bait of Satan. Anybody know this book, read this book? Awesome book. If He quotes in the book, If Jesus chose not to be offended when he had every right to being blameless, who are we that we should think we have ever a right to be offended? That's so powerful, guys. If Jesus Christ, the one who set us free, and the one that, that we, we, 
we don't walk an abundant life, but we have it. He gave it to it. He paid that ultimate price for us. And so if he chose not to be offended, getting spit on, being rejected, being hurt, being betrayed, you know, his best buddies just falling asleep when he needed them the most, then who are we to get offended? Here's another Holy Spirit nuggets he gave me. Offense is from the flesh and has no jurisdiction in the believer unless we allow it. It is a choice. Fear, and this is another one, fear causes offense. Pride lets you stay there. Fear causes us to be offended, but, fear, but pride lets us stay there. I'm sorry, I need some water. There's another book um, that's amazing. It's called Sacred Marriage, and I recommend that everyone get this book. In this book, they quote, what if God designed marriage to make us holy more than to make us happy? If we truly got this perspective, it would change the way you think. My son saw this book one time. It was sitting in my reading nook, and he picked it up, and he read the title, and he said, Man, that's depressing. <laughs> so this is an excerpt from the book. Our marriages are the testing ground for God to win us to himself. Our marriages are basic training for the one marriage that will never disappoint. Isn't that so good? So let's talk about unrealistic expectations of marriage. In society today, there is so much emphasis on the preliminaries of marriage, the excitement of new love, dating, the proposal, engagement party, picking a dress, cake, venue, decorations, theme, colors, the bridal shower, the couple shower. See, we didn't do this, all these older generations, but nowadays they have 400 showers. Um, so uh, the bachelor shower, the uh, bachelor and bachelorette party, if you choose to do that, just turn on the television and there's say yes to the dress, the bachelor, the bachelorette. Competition shows on the best cake, food, dress, and venue. Even the Hallmark movies selling love and romance in such a way that it seems irresistible. Riding off into the sunset. Right? Wrong. <laughs> See, look, we got the optimist over here, Ed, saying yes, yes. Life is not a movie, nor is life perfect. Marriage is work, but the long-term investment pays off. Imagine if we spent that much time and energy before our marriage grasping the true meaning of commitment, covenant, and sacrifice. Commitment in the Greek means a pledge, a duty, a connection, an alliance. Covenant means a solemn and binding agreement between two parties. Sacrifice means to offer something up to God and the giving up of one's own benefits for the good of others. Philippians 2.3 says, Let nothing be done from selfish ambition or con conceit, but in lowliness of mind, letting each other esteem, esteeming each other better than themselves. 
Y'all, all of this is amazing stuff and it works, but it's hard. But we have a choice. And the way we can do this is by staying at the feet of Jesus. It's the only way we can do this. When we give God our pride and fear and lay down the darts, the boxing gloves, the offense, the unmet expectations, resentment, and record of all wrongs, seeing our spouse the way God sees our spouse, the relationship begins to have an ease. The tension melts, the puppy love rekindles, and intimacy can grow. Respect and honor return. But just like our relationship with God, to stay strong, it has to be nurtured. There will be good days and there will be bad days. There will be okay days and there will be great days. But if God is in the midst, he will guide you through the good times and carry you through the hard seasons. Just don't forget God and don't give up. If we carried God, this is, this is the Holy Spirit's sense of humor. Justin taught me about the Holy Spirit having a sense of humor. I'm so intense. Okay, so this is what the Holy Spirit said. He said, if you carried God with you as much as your phone, you would walk in the fruits of the Spirit daily. Everybody say, ouch. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that there are some ways you are just like your spouse and some ways you're polar opposites? Some ways are good and other ways make you crazy. Anybody else feel that way? Okay, um, so... Justin is fight, I'm flight. Fear is my angst, pride is his. I need to process, he wants to deal, he wants to deal with stuff head on. I'm structured, he's off the cuff. But in other ways, we both love weekend getaways to go junking, going to local dive restaurants in small towns, being creative, talking on the swing after work, and helping and loving on people and doing our Bible studies. God brings balance to us. When we marry someone, the one thing we love about them when we date ends up being the thing we dislike the most after a while once we're married. The enemy is a liar. In some ways, our similarities are different. Similarities and differences are great. In other ways, they drive us crazy. Sometimes one of us will be in mid-sentence telling the other one of some hideous behavior they have. And the other will smugly interject, you do realize you do the same exact thing. The Holy Spirit even told me while in prayer one day, I brought you your mirror image. Ouch, God. In other words, since you can't see your strongholds, I brought you a mirror. See, that's what God does. God says, you know what? I didn't design marriage necessarily to make you, I didn't design it to, sorry. If I designed it to make you holy, more so than to make you happy. So God cares about our happiness, but more so he cares about our holiness. So if he needs to help strip us and show us things, he's going to use our spouse. But God designed it that way. Now let's look at some things that the enemy uses to derail us. This is three important things that we need to be aware of. The first one is discontentment. Discontentment is just a sign that you have spent more time 
more time with the world than with Jesus. It's not about your spouse. It's about the lack of quality time with God in the void that only he can fill. Unrealistic expectations and comparison. Everybody say, oh, me. Is another trap of the enemy that he uses. When we set unrealistic standards for our spouse that no one can meet, we set ourselves up for disappointment every time. When we start comparing our situation and spouses and spouse to others, that is an instant door you open to believe everyone else has it better. Did y'all hear that? When we compare our spouse to others, it is an instant door to open for the enemy for you to believe that everyone else has it better. 2 Corinthians 10:12 says, "Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves by one another, they are without spiritual understanding." Our flesh always craves and desires more and better. The Father's feet is where we see that God is for us and working things out for our good. It is a place of laying down the worldly things and indulging in spiritual food, filling you to overflowing, causing you to flow out onto your spouse. When I go and spend that time with God and I get nudged, or when Justin spends that guy with time and he gets nudged, we can pour out what God's given us. But when we go into an argument or into a day and it's, we're empty, we have nothing. We have nothing to share. We have nothing to contribute. I'm sorry, I lost my place. It is a place of laying down. Okay, I read that part. The enemy will point out and have you seeking have you seeking and discontent. Maybe pointing out someone else's wife or husband, how their relationship is better than yours, their spouse more attentive. Then pride comes in and brings anger because we have to have someone else to blame, so we don't have to examine our own self. Is that hitting home for anyone? But the enemy doesn't show you, but, but what the enemy doesn't show you is the weeds in your neighbor's backyard. You can trade in your lawnmower for a new one. You can seek everywhere else to fill that gaping hole called discontentment. But nothing in this world is wide enough, deep enough, and powerful enough to fill that void that only God can fill. So if you're tired, lay it down. It's time. Nothing and no one can give you true contentment like Jesus. He's all we need. He designed it that way. So let's run to him with our spouse and find the abundance that he died for us to have, full of victory and overflowing, abiding in the bliss he designed marriage to be, with one, one with the Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.